So let's go. So up to the Gemara Yotches Amid Beis, about halfway down. So we're discussing a, a very fundamental... So Moshe, can we do this in the memory of... Yes. Yeah, sure. sure, what was the name again? Yes, sure. So you, Leila Nishmas, Yehuda Yaakov ben Avram Abba. And then the Shama should have an Aliyah. Okay. So, we're in the middle of discussing the Sugya. It, can one, can not one's, ca- what's not working, Grandpa? Can one's, can one's Caleb? Yeah, so can one's kalim do malacha on Shabbos? So we saw, according to Beis Hillel, they're more lenient than Beis Shammai, and they do allow kalim to do malacha on Shabbos. There's only there's a few exceptions, but one very important um, exception, and that's to do with malachas involving fire. When it's a malacha involving fire. There's always a chashash, even though the keli can do malacha, but there's always a concern that you actually might want to speed up the cooking process and then stoke the flames and, and speed in the cooking process. And therefore, we're always more machmeh, and this opens up a massive cans of worms in terms of what can we put on the fire on Shabbos or not. So... Um, so where were we up to? Yeah, so we're up to about halfway down. Hai Kederich Yasa. So Hai Kederich Yasa. So if you have a raw piece of meat. So Shari La'anukha Erev Shabbos Im Chashecha B'Tanura. Then you're allowed to put it Erev Shabbos in the oven. So even though we said, even according to Beis Hillel, they're Machmeh. But when it comes to a completely raw item of food, they're Mutah. So my Tama. In other words, because you can't use it that evening. So if you've got a raw piece, it's going to be cooking that night. You're not thinking, well, maybe if I um, stoke the coals and increase the heat, that that will, I'll be able to eat this item of food Friday night. Because there's no chance of it being ready Friday night. And therefore, because you're not thinking about it, and therefore you're not going to start stirring the coals because you're not thinking about it. So this is... Yeah. About an hour from, like in between Shkia going all the way into night, nightfall. And that whole hour there was no power and then it came back on. So... Um, when it came back on, the Rav said, well, most likely the, a Jew kind of put it back on, and therefore you can't benefit from the, the, the Melacher of Shabbos. So there was a whole discussion, what you're allowed to do, what you're not to do. But he said anyone who had a raw piece of meat, air of Shabbos, like right before Shabbos in their cholent, they can't eat their cholent on Shabbos, because it's being cooked on Shabbos um, through, through a Jew. Because they, he reconnected the electricity. No. So that's oh. that's the opposite direction. That's being machme. When it's right. raw. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But this is a cooler where you can leave it on and we're not worried that you're going to heat it up because anyway it's not ready. Right. Yeah. 
So this is also, and the next few lines are also important. Ubashal shapidami. So if it's cooked, again, if it's cooked, therefore there's no concern you're going to have to increase the fire. Then again, it's fine. And there's a big argument, how exactly do you understand the phrase, if it's cooked? Rashi says if it's fully cooked. If it's fully cooked, then you're no longer going to start adding to the heat. Taisvus he lands that we we always have Malchol ben Dasari. Malchol ben Dasari was a rubber, and therefore they would eat their food very raw. They wouldn't have time to cook it. So once it's reached a low level of being cooked, even though it could still benefit from being cooked for longer, the way Taisvus explains it, that's it. So argument Rashi Taisvus when the Gemara says when it's cooked, then you could leave it on the flame. What does it mean when it's cooked? Is it fully cooked like Rashi? Or is it like Taisvis, which is just the minimum amount? Was Bashal Velai Bashal, if it's sort of half cooked, then also it would be forbidden. So if you have a meat which is half cooked, so you've got your Chalanton using Uncle Maishi's example, and the meat is sort of half cooked, that's definitely forbidden. Because then there's always a concern. A person's going to fancy some chalant Friday night. He's going to start stirring the coals to, in order to heat up the meat quickly. And that was a gazera. So technically in terms of the malacha being done, according to Beis Hillel, there's no problem. The only issue is the gazera that a person might stir the flame in order to speed up the cooking process. So again, for each shadow Gama so again, if you have a if you have a, a food which is half cooked, so we said it's forbidden. If you throw into the pot another raw piece of meat, then it's fine, because again, that shows you're not thinking about it for tonight. You're only thinking about it for tomorrow. So vahashadamama. So now we said komedi de koshile zika loimigalale. So anything where being exposed to the air damages it, then there's no concern a person might open it up on Shabbos. So we're discussing the cases of using, um, the, of starting this, um, cook, heating up these bundles of flax. And the Gemara says there's no concern with the bundles of flax because being exposed to air is damaging. So a person isn't going to touch it. So therefore, although we're normally concerned when it comes to fire, things on the fire, not to put it on because a person might increase the heat, there are certain things where if it's exposed, it damages. And therefore, Haibisra de Gajivasarik, so if you have this young goat meat, so, um, yeah. so you've got two points, so you've got a young goat meat, which apparently the air damages, and Sorik, it's the oven is sealed. So therefore you have two points. You have A, exposure to the air is damaging, and B, the oven is covered. So Shapidami then is fine. So even though you're putting an item on the flame, if it's something that will be damaged by the wind and the oven is sealed, then there's no problem. However, however, if it's uh, coming from a large goat, in which case the air wouldn't damage it, 
Vlaisarik and it isn't sealed, also then it's forbidden. So we've got the two extremes. We've got the young goat, which exposure to air is bad. Whereas you've got the more for mature goats where exposure to air doesn't damage it. And we also threw in that the young goat, the oven is sealed. So we've got two points which is working in the favour of it. A, exposure to air when it comes to a young goat is, isn't beneficial. It makes it worse. And B, the oven is covered. So therefore, what about if they're going to be sort of half-half? So the gadja of the lysoric or the bark of a soric. So what happens if you have a young goat but the oven isn't sealed? So in which case you don't have both points. You have it's a young goat, so you don't want to expose it to air, but the oven isn't sealed. Or you have a more for mature goat where exposure to the air doesn't cause damage, but the oven is sealed. So you're sort of in between. Either the young goat, the oven isn't sealed, so therefore the only problem is you won't open it because you don't want to expose it to air, or you have the more mature goat where it doesn't, where, in other words, exposure to air wouldn't damage it, but the oven is sealed. So what would be the halakha? So Rav Ashi Shariv Rav Yemi Medifta Asa. So Rav Ashi permits it and Rav Yemi Medifti forbids it. So Reb Ashi the Shari, if Reb Ashi he permits it, Vatanya ain't silent. Basa basa So you don't roast meat, onions or eggs. Ela kadeshi it's only for enough time for it to be cooked the next. Uh, in other words, before Friday. So if Reb Ashi is permitting it, how do we understand the Mishnah which clearly forbids it? So says the Gemara. Hasan de Sorry. Very simple. When the Mishnah forbids roasting meat, that's talking about a mature goat and the oven isn't sealed. So you're right. If it's a mature goat, where therefore, as the air doesn't damage it, there's no detriment to, there's no deterrent to open it. And also the oven isn't sealed. You're right. According to Rav Ashi, don't roast it. However, what Rav Ashi is permitting when it's a large goat, so there's no deterrent in terms of exposure to air because it doesn't matter but the oven is sealed so Rav Ashi says if the oven is sealed then we'll permit it however he would agree if it's a mature goat the oven isn't sealed then you're right it would be forbidden so Ikid Amri so the Gadja so when it comes to a younger, this is a different version of the Shapidami. It doesn't make a difference if the oven is open or not. It doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? Because a young goat's exposure to air damages it, and therefore you're not going to touch it. So the Nami, so when it comes to a mature goat, the Sarik and the oven is locked, Shapidami then again there's no machlaikas. So if you have a large, if you have a more from a mature goat, where their air doesn't affect it, if the oven is sealed, there's no argument, everyone says it's permitted. So this was the in-between stage. In other words, the mature goat, exposure to air doesn't damage it, but the oven is sealed. So previously we said that was the argument. In the case where 
um, the air wouldn't damage it, but the oven is sealed, what would be the halacha, the previous version, there was an argument. Now we're saying, according to everyone, it's permitted. So, when do they argue? When it comes to a mature goat, and the oven isn't sealed. So, the Rav Ashi, sorry, Rav Ashi still permits it. Rabbi Amya Medifti Asa, whereas Rabbi Amya Medifti, he would forbid it. So according to this version, Rav Ashri is being tremendously maker. He's saying you have a mature goat, and therefore the air doesn't affect it, and therefore there's no deterrent in terms of you not touching it, because it anyway doesn't get affected by the air. And we also have the oven isn't even sealed. Nevertheless, Rav Ashri permits it. So ask the Gemara, for Tanya ain't sign in Basa, Batsal, Ubeitsa, Ela, Ela, Kadeshit, Solomon, Baidyan. So the Mishnah says, how could Rav Ashi permit you to put this older goat on the fire when there's, and the oven isn't sealed, when the Mishnah clearly says you don't roast meat, eggs, onions, only if they'll be roasted before. They have to be roasted on Friday. So says the Gemara, There you're talking about more of a barbecue. So in other words, if it's a barbecue and you've got your meat, it's on the cold, of course there's always a chashash, you're just going to stir the coals. The whole discussion with Rav Ashi wasn't with this goat which was on the barbecue. If it's directly on the coals, of course Rav Ashi would admit there's a tremendous concern if it's directly on the coals, it's like a barbecue, you're going to stir the coals. The issue of Rav Ashri, Rashi explains, um, where's his Lashon? Yeah, so in other words, if it's, sorry? Oh, I thought so. Uh, so if it's, in, Rav Ashri was talking about in the case where it's in an oven, where there there's already a cover, and therefore there's less chance of you exposing it. However, if it's directly on the coals, even according to this version, Rav Ashi would permit it. So again, this raw pumpkin, again, if you put it on, there's no problem. Because exposure to the air damages, and therefore it would be just the same as this young goat, where exposure to the air would damage it. So So now we're going back to the Mishnah. So you have an interesting argument. Could you sell stuff to a Nachri on Erev Shabbos? So Tan Rabbanon. A person shouldn't sell his objects to a non-Jew. So again, in England, we, in English, we don't really have the words to make the difference between She'ela or Halva. They, we translate them both as len, but in the Torah terms, we make a difference between she'ela, which is an object which you directly return the object back. So I lend someone my Gemara, I get the Gemara back. Halva is for lending money. I lend someone 50 quid, I don't get that 50 pound note back, I get something else. So different terminology for very similar transaction. It makes a big difference when it comes to ribis, she'ela and halva. So you shouldn't give a nachri 
a gift on Erev Shabbos. So, Ela In other words, it has to be that the Nachri would be able to get home on before Shabbos. So, according to Beis Shammai, he's saying a very interesting halach. He's saying you can't do any transactions with the Nachri unless, in terms of giving him objects, unless the Nachri is able to reach his home before Shabbos. Why is that? Rashi says, because it looks bad. It looks like if someone's going to see a Nachri leaving your house with an object, he's going to think that the Nachri is doing the shalichas of the Yisra. And therefore, Beishama, in order to make a decree, they said, don't give him anything unless he could get back to his house before Shabbos. So, so Beisela says it doesn't have to be the guy has to get back to his own house as long as he gets back to the house within his city. So say wherever, wherever he lives, he lives in Hendon. He doesn't have to get back to his own address. As long as he gets into the general area, then he's fine. So In order for him to leave the house of the Jew. In other words, you could give anything as long as he could leave the Jew's house before Shabbos. So I'm Rabbi Yisib Rabbi Huda. Hein hein divrei Rabbi Kiva. Hein hein divrei Beisela. So Rabbi Kiva, he's not actually arguing with Beisela. He's actually arguing to how we understood Beisela. So our version of Beisela says the Nachri has to be able to reach somewhere in the same city. In other words, the Nochri doesn't have to reach his house when Shabbos comes in, like Beis Shammai. According to Beis Hillel, according to this version, he just has to reach the house of the general town. Whereas Rabbi Kiva is saying, no, do you know what Beis Hillel held? You could give whatever you want to the Nochri, sell it, lend it to him, as long as he has time to get out of the Jew's house before Shabbos comes in. So it's even more lenient, this version of Beis Hillel, according to Rabbi Kiva. What's the chashash over here? Why can't you sell or lend uh, something to a goy? Yeah, so there's no chashash. Rashi just says it looks like he's doing your work. So there's a big problem if you hire a nachri to do work for you on Shabbos. What everybody knows that this is my car, and yes, yet I, I'm giving it to, I lend it to a goy, and everyone knows it's my car, and they see my, my car being driven in Ram. It's so basically. You're going to think that they're doing malach for me. Yeah, again, it's very hard to go into the ins and outs. What? What's my uncle Moshe driving around Shabbat for? Morosai. So today in Marosai, what are people are going to say? That's what Rashi explains. It. He says it looks no, like... Mine and not Marosai. One car. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you say that. And Toast says it's only about things that are um, not asked because of Shri Sitzkalian. Right, yeah. Because then they would be asked even on Thursday and... Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, that's based Shammai's view. You can't do malach with Kalim. So speaking about a shirt or something else. Yeah. The problem is like, <laughs> sorry, but never <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. So Tan Rabban on Beis Shammai Aimrim. Moshi. Yeah. Sorry, just posit, just uh, just in case um, anyone lost the place rather than the plot. Uh, with three lines from the bottom of your case, I would bet. Okay. Two dots. I like two dots. 
Okay, good. <laughs> Wonderful. Christopher Flats, well done for saying that. And at this opportune moment, can I just say, it's a big success to be able to be learning again with my dear friend, Mr. L. Shepson. Welcome. A real success for us. Thank you very much. Don't get brownie points, Mark. No brownie points. Hmm. Well, this is for me to, to be with uh, tomorrow. <laughs> to be with my uh, nephew and with my and my father in the same ship. Oh, beautiful! Uh, three oh, generations. Wonderful. Well, Grandpa's not here. Oh, Grandpa's not here. Where did he go? I don't know. Tan Rabbanu. Yeah, Beisham my Omrim. So layim ka adam chametzel nachri. So a person would be a lot more reluctant to sell their whiskey to a guy before Pesach, according to Beis Shammai. Because according to Beis Shammai, the Nachri has to be able to finish it before Pesach. So Divrei Beis Shammai. They say very simply, they say, look, as long as you are able to eat it, then you're able to sell it. And therefore, the night before Pesach, you could still eat chametz. Therefore, go ahead and sell it. So Rabbi Yehuda, I'm a kuta chabavli v'chal minei kuta. Yeah. So Rabbi Yehuda, he says this kuta chabavli, which is some sort of dip, where their dip isn't going to be finished in one meal, it would last for a while, especially it was something which would last for a long time. And therefore, according to Beis Shammai, 30 days before Pesach, you can't sell it. Because according to Beis Shammai, the Nakhri has to be able to finish it. And therefore, if he has to be able to finish it before Pesach, you can't sell it 30 days before Pesach. So, Ton Rabbana, this is an interesting halacha. So, nice nimber zonas lifnea kelev you can put food in front of a dog in the chatzah, and therefore not lovyatsa ein niskakinai. So now, if this dog was to take the food and now go from the chatzah, which is a rishus hayachid, outside into the rishus harabim, you don't have to be worried about it. So kiyaitsa by nice mezaynis lefnei hanachri bechatzah. You could also give. If the dog picked the chovet back into the house like the weasel. Oh, then on Pesach it's a problem, yeah. Hey, Lionel, remember that one? The weasels? Yeah. I haven't been working. I, I don't know, I can't help you. And now, what was the problem with it? It's alright now. Okay, good. Baruch Hashem. What are you up to? I'm sorry. So you test some Adalaf right at the top. Yeah, just yeah. smile and wave. Yeah. Well, the two dogs. Yeah. So, kiyotsa by nice mezaynis lefnei hanachri bechatsa. You could also leave food for nachri in the chatsa and not plaviyatsa. If this. Yeah, your test. Your Tess Amadala, right at the top, there's two dots there. That's four okay. lines down. A few lines down. Four lines down. Four lines. Yeah. One, two, three. Okay, so not la viyatsa, ain't is And again, if the Nachri is going to take from the Rishus Hayachid 
into the Rishus Rabbim, then there's no problem. So the Gemara says two identical cases, seemingly. We said one could put food in front of a dog and food in front of a Nochri in a Chatzah, and there's no concern that the dog or the Nochri is going to take it. Not no concern. It doesn't matter if the dog or the Nochri would go from Rishus Hayachid into Rishus Rabbim. So what would be the Chiddush? They both seem exactly the same. Why do we need to say both by a dog and by a nochri, one may put food in the Rosh Hashayachid, and then whatever happens afterwards, there's no concern. So why do we need to have both cases? It's exactly the same. So In other words, there's a big difference between feeding one's animals and just feeding... Uh, Guy who's just, in other words, he's not your worker. You're just leaving food for a guy. What's the difference? A person has to look after his animals. So as Michael Peters knows, he has to feed his dogs every day. And therefore there's a responsibility. So just because I allow one to leave food in the chutzah for one's animals, even though there's a possibility the animal might go into the Rosh Hashanah, you could say that's because, look, I'm responsible to make sure my animals are fed. But to leave food for a random nochri, where there's no responsibility to feed him, who says that I could leave food in the Rosh Hashayachid if this nochri, because of you, is going to go from Rosh Hashayachid into Rosh Hashayachid? So Kamash Milan, that's the Chiddush one's able to. So Tan Rabbana, La yaske Adam Kelov L'Nochri Be'erev Shabbos. A person shouldn't hire his Kelim to a nochri on Erev Shabbos. So Bedalad Uvehei, Muta. However, on, on, on Wednesday and Thursday, it's permitted. So the problem is, if you're going to hire out your vessels to a Nochri on Erev Shabbos, then it's look, again, it looks like you're hiring the Nochri to do a job for you on Erev Shabbos. Whereas if you do it on Wednesday or Thursday, then it's permitted. So, so hang on one sec. So this is actually an interesting point. Just get the halacha. Yeah. So the Mishnah Bru on this point, he says there's two. There's two of different opinions. In other words, we're saying you shouldn't lend a hire out your kalim on erev Shabbos to a nochri, but Wednesday and Thursday it's permitted. So who's this going according to? So so the Mishnah Bura says according, this is going according to Beis Shammai. So the way the Rambam and the Rif, the Mishnah Bura explains, this is going according to Beis Shammai. Beis Shammai says one's Kalim can't do Malacha on Shabbos, and therefore you can't lend out on Friday. But according to Beis Hillel, you could lend out your Kalim even on Friday. Because even were malacha to be done with your kalim, the way the Rif and the Rambam explains it, it doesn't matter. So it's a very important point. This halacha about not lending out your kalim on Friday, is that according to Beis Shammai? Or Beis Hillel will be lenient and say, even on Friday, one can still lend one's kalim.
Or he says he brings down the second opinion, which is the Rabbeinu Yaina, that even according to Beis Hillel, who allow Malacha to be done with the Kalim, it's very similar to what we said before. It doesn't look good. In other words, if you have a Nakhri leaving your house with your Kalim, it looks like he's doing Malacha on your behalf. And therefore, don't give Kalim even according to Beis Hillel on Friday, because again, it would look like he's doing Malacha on your behalf. So there's an important machlaikas, Rishonim, how do we understand this phrase of the Gemara? When we're not allowed to lend Kalim to a Nakhri on Friday. Is this going according to Beishamai, who forbid Malacha to be done with Kalim, but Beishelah would permit it? Or even according to, to Beishelah, who normally allow Malacha to be done with one's Kalim, here it doesn't look good. So it's an important machlaikas. So kiyotza by emeshalch and the geres biyad nachri by erev shabbos. You don't send a letter with a nachri on erev shabbos because again it looks like he's doing your job. So bedalad of vehemuta on Wednesday and Thursday is permitted. So amr alav arabiyasi akayin for amr arabiyasi achasid shelo nimsa ksav yada biyad nachri me oilam. So there was no none of his handwriting was ever found in the hands of a Nakhri. So there was no concern whatsoever that the Nakhri was delivering his letters on Shabbos. He was very mocked on it. So Tanya Rabbanon. So again, a very important, this is a very important principle when it comes to having a Nakhri do Malacha on your behalf. So there's a phrase which is called, called, Kaitzitz Leidamim. Kaitzitz Leidamim means, I'm giving you a fixed price to do the job. You just do it whenever you want. So in which case, when the Nachri chooses to do it on Shabbos, he's not really doing it for you. Look, he got a job to do. He wants to get it over with. And therefore, he's doing it on Shabbos. But he's not really doing it for you. It's called Bedidei Katarach. The fact that he's doing it on Shabbos, that's his choice. Whereas there's a big problem if you're paying someone per hour or per day and therefore you're paying someone a weekly wage seven days a week and he's doing malacha for you on Shabbos then there's a big problem because he's doing malacha directly for you so it's very important that the way contracts are made it could get quite technical how do you structure a wage a wage if the nakhri has to work for Shabbos but the general leniency is if it's a set price there's no, you're not telling him, get it done by Shabbos. You're just giving him a set amount of money, get the job done. If he chooses to do it on Shabbos, it's Bidideh Katarach. He's doing it for himself. So Tan Rabbanon, Shabbos. You don't send a letter to a Nachri Erev Shabbos. Only if you gave him a fixed amount. So you said, here's a letter, deliver it to this person in the next town, here's the money for it, that's it. And therefore he's doing it on his own behalf if he were to do it on Shabbos. Whereas Beishamai Omrim, Kadei Sheyagiyah Lebeisah. Beishamai says no. You have to be able to, the Nachri has to be able to deliver the letter to the person who he's supposed to deliver it before Shabbos. Uveishelel Omrim, Kadei Sheyagiyah Lebeis HaSomach Lachaymah. Whereas Beis Hillel, they say no, that he doesn't have to reach the exact address. 
as long as he re- reaches the town area. So if he's delivering a letter to a street in Hendon, according to Beiselel, he doesn't have to actually reach that house. As long as he gets to Hendon, then it's no problem. So ask the Gemara, Valai Kutsas, we just opened up with this person, he set the wage to the Nahri. So he says for delivering this Nahri, he's paying five pounds delivery, go ahead and deliver it. And we said in such a case it's permitted. So the Gemara's question is, why? Sorry? He fixed the price. What is it, So that's the Gemara's question. That's exactly the Gemara's question. We just said, if he fixes the price, it doesn't matter where he goes. He's given him the price. But now Beis Hillel is saying, he has to be able to reach the same town as the person which he's delivering to. So Amar says, It means if he didn't fix the price. So if he fixed the price, then there's no problem. Because the Nachri is doing Melacha on his own behalf. Reb Sheshes is saying, when he didn't fix the price, says Beiselel, if you're sending a letter with a Nachri, he has to be able to reach that town, and then you could send it, if he could reach that town before Shabbos. So Beishameh Aymrim Ad Shiegiyah Lebeisai, or Beitelel Aymrim Ad Shiegiyah Lebeisai Samach Lechaima. So ask the Gemara, so Va'amris Reisha Ein Meshalchen. So again, so we're trying to say, if there was a fixed price, then you could send it with a Nachri. If there's no fixed price, then that's the argument Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. Does he have to be able to reach the actual address of the person it being sent to? That's Beis Shammai. Or Beis Hillel says he has to reach the general town. That's when there was no fixed price. But ask the Gemara... Moshe, quick, quick question. When you say he has to have, is it, he has to have the ability to do it? Or he actually has to do it. He actually has to reach that town. I think he has to have the ability. Yeah, I think so. So it's interesting. This discussion, well, the next discussion makes it um, this whole problem. That's prob- what he wants, that's why. Hmm? He has to have the ability to do it. He does it if he wants to. No one's forcing him to do it, your Chavez. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point, yeah. 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 So the, the Gemara's question is. We're saying, if there's a fixed price, you could do what you want. If there's no fixed price, then there's the argument, does he have to reach the address or the town nearby? But if you look at the Lushan, it's the Lushan of the Brisa is, you don't send letters to a Nachri only if you fix the price. So if you say you don't send letters with a Nachri unless there's a fixed price, that shows you if there's no fixed price, you don't send it with a Nachri. So how could you say the whole argument Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel is when there's no fixed price, does he have to reach the address or the general town area? When the Reisha clearly says you don't send letters to a Nachri only if there is a fixed price. So if there's no fixed price, how could you say on one hand the Reisha says you don't send it with a Nachri, but then you're saying the whole argument Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel is if he could reach the address or the area around it. So says the Gemara, So this is a very interesting phrase. Rashi, he lands it in an interesting way. But Pashas, it makes sense when there's a general post, uh, there's a general um, post office. If there's a post office, then if the Nachri 
um, if there's no one to deliver it, he's just going to drop it off in the post office. That's the easy way to understand it. Russia, he learned something interesting. He learned something where... Um, yeah, so Rashi says it's interesting where there's no ruler in the town. And therefore, the issue is, he says, if, again, if you learn with the postman, then say, say you're sending it to this person. He gets to the person's address, and there's no answer. He just drops off in the post office. Then there's no concern he's going to do malacha on your behalf on Shabbos, running around, where do I deliver this letter? And therefore, if there's enough time to reach the town, and there's a post, post office, then there's no problem. Because even were there to be no one to deliver it, you just drop it off in the post office. Whereas if there's no post office, then there's a concern. He's going to reach to this address, say he gets there before Shabbos. But the person isn't in. He's going to be running around like a lunatic on Shabbos, on your behalf, looking where to put it. And therefore, if there's no post office, you don't send it. Even if there's enough time for him to deliver it before Shabbos. Whereas if there is a post office, then one can send it. Yeah, so says the Gemara further. So Tan Rabbanat, Eima Fligim Bisfina, Pachos Megimel Yomim Kaidim Nishabas. You don't start on a trip on a ship three days before Shabbos. So Bamed Vermamurim, Ledvarushus, that's only if it was a trip of leisure. However, if it's for a mitzvah, then you're allowed to go on the ship. And again, there's different discussions because if you're going before, if you're going to be going on a ship on Shabbos, you might need to swim in the water, or you might be passing the tochum. There's various reasons given why you shouldn't go on the ship. You know what it says? You can pick up now to get onto a cruise ship. Really? Oh yeah. That's a good one. They're trying to give it away. <laughs> I thought nobody's trying to give it away. Nobody's going on them, though. No. Well, you might as well go, then. There'll be no run on there. You won't catch anything from anyone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they won't go if you're a blonde person. Yeah. So, Paisa came out on Nas Lishbos. You can make a deal that the ship shouldn't go on Shabbos. And then, even Ve'ena Shavis, even if it didn't rest on Shabbos, as long as you try to put this deal in place not to travel on Shabbos, even if it didn't stop on Shabbos, it doesn't matter. Divrei Rebbe. Whereas Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel Aimer, Einasar, there's no need to put this condition. And also, if it's a short journey, so say it's half an hour up the river, on Erev Shabbos, then you're allowed to go on the ship. Why is that? you're not going to go into Shabbos. The problem is, if you're going on a long journey by ship, then there's all the questions, can you be on this ship on Shabbos? That's sure, it's sure tire. Yeah. It's in Lebanon, yeah. Yeah, it's a short distance. Thank you. Okay. So, Omar, Reb Shimon ben Gamliel, Nahagin Hayam. So, Reb Shimon ben Gamliel, he says... That Nachri shouldn't do, be doing melacha um, on your behalf on Shabbos. And he was saying that he would give the white clothing to the non-Jewish laundrette three days before Shabbos. 
Satanya Ama Ripsat Kachaya Minhaga Shell Base Ribbon Gamliel. This was the custom. Oh, my bad. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Ton Rabbanon. Ain't so nala yarish and nachrim pachos megemo yamim kaitim le shabbat. Sorry. So you don't start sieging the non Jewish city three days bef- before Shabbos. Yeah. So for Im Hesrilo, Ain Mafsikin. However, if you started it, then you don't have to stop. So Vachain Hayyarab Shimon Aimeh, Adridasa, you keep going until you conquer it. I feel a bit Shabbos, even if you're going to have to be fighting a war on Shabbos. So Amarab Shimon Ben Gamliel Nahagan Hayyar. So Tanya, Amarab Sad, Kachayam in Hagar shall base Rebun Gamliel. This was the custom of Rebun Gamliel. Shayanosnan Klila Lavam. Lachaybis, they'd give a white clothing to the laundrette. Gimel Yamim Kaidim Le Shabbos, three days before Shabbos. But Savaim Afilo Be'er of Shabbos, and coloured clothing even on Erev Shabbos. So white clothing was given three days before Shabbos, coloured on Erev Shabbos itself. Umidivrem Labmanu Shahalavanim Kasha Lakavsan Yaisiminat Savaim. So from Reb Shimon ben Gamliel we see that white clothing takes longer to clean than coloured. So white clothing had to have been sent in three days before Shabbos because white clothing takes longer to clean whereas coloured clothing could be cleaned on the day and therefore sent on Erev Shabbos as long as it was done before Shabbos. So Abai had a Yavle Ahum Mana to Sevil So Abai, he was giving this coloured clothing to the laundrette. So Amale Kama Bais Ilove, how much do you charge for it? So Amale Kadakivra, the same price as all your white shirts which you've been giving me. So Amale um Kavakadmok Rabbanan, don't try to swindle me. The Rabbanan have already got you there first because we made a difference between white clothing being sent three days before Shabbos, because white clothing takes longer to clean. Therefore, I know, don't charge me for coloured clothing the same price as white clothing, because white clothing takes more effort. So he knew from the Mishnah that he shouldn't be charged the same price for coloured as white. So Abai clearly didn't have good dealings with his laundrette. So Amabai, how man do you have money to cut from? Measure it. So if you're giving in your clothing to the laundrette, then you have to measure it. To eat a fay after day de matre. In other words, if the clothing is longer than when you sent it, then you know he's damaged it. And for e butza afsade to cut fay. If it's smaller, then you know he's washed it with heat, and therefore he's caused it to shrunk, to shrink. And therefore, don't allow your laundrette to play monkey business with you. Make sure you measure it so you get what you're given back. So says the Gemara, So we had a big machlokas by Shammai and by Sila. Can one do malacha with Kalim on Shabbos? Big machlokas by Shammai and by Sila. But they both agree. So by Shammai says one's Kalim can't do malacha on Shabbos. By Sila says one Kalim can do malacha on Shabbos. So even though by Shammai normally forbids malacha to be done with one's Kalim, he agrees when it comes to squeezing out the grapes and the olives. So you've got the round press, so round press, heavy um, chunk of wood. It's pressed over the grapes and the olives, and that completes the squeezing process.
So Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel both agree that you could do that on Shabbos. So my Shnal Kula do Gazru Behu Beis Shammai. So why with all other Kalim Beis Shammai they say one can't? Well, when it comes to squeezing out the grapes or olives, they didn't put in the decree. So all the other cases in the Mishnah, so say you're putting your clothing under this incense. If you were to light the incense on Shabbos, you've done a malacha. If you were to trap an animal on Shabbos, You've done a malacha, says Beis Shammai. If you can't do the malacha on Shabbos, your kalim can't do the malacha for you, even though you st- even though you set the fire before Shabbos. But the point is, the kalim is doing the malacha on Shabbos. You can't do it. Beis Hillel permits it. But the case here, when you're squeezing, Hanach Tii Ovid Lehu Shabbos. Sorry, yeah. So Hanach Tii Ovid Lehu Shabbos Mechayv so Beishamai says, look, even though you're starting the Malacha Erev Shabbos, and it's going to continuously go into Shabbos, you haven't done anything, because you started it Erev Shabbos. So say you lit the fire Erev Shabbos, or you put all the different ingredients to be mixed, you put it in Erev Shabbos. The fact that the Malacha is done with your Kli is a problem. However, Koris Beis Abad Ve'igule Hagas Ti'avid Luhu B'Shabbos Lo'y Mechayv Chatos Whereas this case of squeezing these olives or grapes, even if you were to do it on Shabbos, there's no Chiyav of Chatos. Lo'y Gazru, then there's no Gezerah. So why is there no Gezerah? Because it seems before, before it was put in the press, the grapes and the olives, they're already squeezed. Sorry? So this is the last, this is the last stage of the squeezing. So therefore, even if it's, so, sorry, my bad. This is the last stage of the squeezing. So the squeezing process has already started. So the outer layer, so to speak, is already being compromised. And therefore the juice is already coming out. So once the juice is already coming out, it's at that stage you put it in these presses. In which case, all it does it just speeds up the process. But it's going to happen anyway. And therefore there's no problem by putting it in these presses. Because the main malacha has already been done. As the main malacha has already been done. Anything which happens in addition to that doesn't matter. So mantana midi to so who's the Tana which says anything that's any anyway going to happen, it doesn't matter. So I'm Rabbi Yisro Rabbi Chanina. So Rabbi Shmali. It goes according to Rabbi Shmuel. To Tanan Hashum Fabaisevamelila. So these are all interesting dips. So you have garlic, unripe grapes or unripe grains. So there they would. Um, so if you have an unripe grape, I don't know exactly why they would do this. But they would squeeze out the juice and use that juice as a dip. So once it's already been, so to speak, you've already started to squeeze it. Then it's a matter of when, not if. The juice is going to come out. And therefore whatever comes out would be permitted. So in other words, if you start to, if, you, if you're finishing off the squeezing process on Shabbos, it's permitted. 
Well, Rabbi Shmuel, I'm a yigmar mishetechshach. Rabbi Shmuel says it has to be. In other words, once you've, in other words, once you've put it and in the press before Shabbos, then it's completely fine. Whereas Rabbi Akiva, I'm a Rabbi Akiva says, la yigmar, you can't even continue it. In other words, you can't leave it on Friday being squeezed, because then it's going to extend into Shabbos. So again, so what do we see from here? There is an opinion which says, if you start the process on Friday, then it's completely fine, even though the Malach is continuing into Shabbos. So Amma, so Rebbe Laza Amma, so Rebbe Laza, so you got an Amara who's quoting the Tana. So the Tanan, Chalas Devash Shariskan Be'er of Shabbos. So if you got the combs of honey, so the combs of honey, they have the outer layer, and you're crushing those so the honey should come out. So if you crush the combs of honey, the Yatsumeatsman, and they came out on their own accord, Asa it would be forbidden. Whereas Rebelaza Mate, whereas Rebelaza he permits it. So Rebelaza says the honeycombs which she are started crushing on Erev Shabbos, if it's going to continuously the honey's going to continuously come out even on Shabbos, Rebelaza permits it. And therefore, what do we see from here? Something which is going to happen anyway. The moment you crush the combs of the honey, the honey was going to come out. You just put it in the press to speed up the process. So speeding up the process, even though it happens on Shabbos, it doesn't matter. So we have two different v- proofs for this. Either we have the case of someone starting to press the garlic, unripe grapes and unripe grains. Where there we saw a viewpoint, once you start on Erev Shabbos, it's permitted all the way through Shabbos. Or we have this other opinion which says these honeycombs, the moment you break it on before Shabbos, you could continue squeezing throughout Shabbos. So now the Gemara is going to analyze why didn't we... In other words, we have two different proofs. Why did we need two different proofs? Why wouldn't one of them agree with the other proof? So Rabbi Yaisi Reb Chanina, my Tama Why didn't Rabbi Yaisi Reb Chanina prove from Rabbi Laza's case about honey? We see very clearly from honey, you started squeezing on Erev Shabbos, it's permitted. So The case with the honey, it's more easier to be lenient. Why is that? Because the honey is a food, you squeeze it, it's also a fruit. In other words, the honey doesn't really change its status. Our mission is talking about squeezing olives or grapes. Where there, if you're squeezing olives or grapes, there's a transition from being an item of food and being turned into a fluid. And therefore, if all what you would see, you could allow the squeezing process, you start squeezing the honey on Friday, and it could continuously squeeze into Shabbos, I would have said, you know why you could do that? Because the item isn't changing its status. It's food before Shabbos. It's food during Shabbos. But to then say, to extend that halacha to say, when it comes to grapes and olives, why to squeeze it on Friday? It could continuously be pressed into Shabbos. That's fundamentally different. Because there you have fluid. The food status is being changed from food into fluids. So Rebbe Laza, 
המלאכו השמין עלי לרבלוזו, דאפילו זייסם ואנובים נמי שרי. רבלוזו ברינגס הפרוף פרום דהני, הוא אומר, כשזה קומס לאוליבס וגרייפס, נראה שזה גם נראה. דהוקי אוס רבייש בן אדם, אוסו ואייסם אס ניטו ביאדו, הוא בורט אברייסה. זייסם ואנובים שריסקון מערב שבס. אוליבס וגרייפס, אשר סקוויז על ערב שבס, ויוסו מאלצמן, הם קמו על אונר קורט, אסורים להם פרבידים. ואז רבלוזו ורב שמן, מאטירים, רבלוזו ורב שמן, הם כללי פרמיטים. And therefore Rebbe Lazar says, look, I see Rebbe Lezer holds his view not only with honey, but also with grapes and olives. So therefore don't tell me Rebbe Lazar only holds his opinion by honey, because by squeezing honey, you're not making any change of status. Whereas from grapes to fluids, there is a change of status, because we see Rebbe Lazar holds the same thing even when it comes to squeezing grapes. Whereas Rabbi Yaisi Reb Chanina, Brysa lo shemiyale. Whereas Rabbi Yaisi Reb Chanina, he didn't hear the Brysa. So Amar, so Rabbi Lazar, my time I like Amar, Rabbi Yaisi Reb Chanina. Rabbi Lazar, he brought the proof when it comes to squeezing honey before Shabbos, it could be continuously squeezed into Shabbos. Why didn't he bring the proof about squeezing this garlic, unwrapped grapes and unwrapped grains? Why did he have to bring the proof from honey? Why didn't he use Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda's proof about squeezing garlic and unripe grapes and grains? So, Amalacha lav itmala Amar Rabbi Bachanina Amar Rabbi Yechnen B'mechusorin ticha dukula ama loy pligi So essentially there's three stages of the, of the press. There's the initial press, there's the press which is done halfway through, and then there's the final press. So there's a big argument, what, what exactly is the one which is permitted? So, Dicha, that's the middle stage. And therefore, Rabbi Yochanan says, when it's Dicha, the middle stage, everyone agrees, it's forbidden. So, when's the argument which we had between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva? That's only if You had to do the last stage. There Rabbi Shmuel would permit it. Rabbi Akiva would, would permit it. So v'hani nami k'mochusorin t'ichotomu. And our case here where we're trying to bring a proof. We're trying to bring a proof where even the middle stage, it would still be permitted. So why didn't he bring a proof by squeezing the, from the b'risa? Where we have an argument, um, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva. Could you squeeze... unripe grapes and grain. Because there, the whole argument was only missing the third stage. Our argument here is where it's missing the second stage. And therefore you have no proof on that b'risa to our Mishnah.